You're listening to Thrive, where every week we have meaningful conversations with incredible women like you, packed with practical tips and sisterly advice to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday gal who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. I'm your host, Erica Gwynn, and I'm ready to thrive together. Here's today's episode. Hi, friends. Welcome back to Thrive. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different than some of our other episodes, uh, namely because it might feel a bit more raw. <laughs> Uh, I do a solid amount of preparation for different conversations, different topics that we cover here, but today we're just talking about our baby boy's birth story. In case you're new, in case you missed it, in case you've been under a rock, uh, gave birth (laughs) about a month ago to the cutest little love bug. Uh, his name is Jonah, and he is the little light of our lives. And I can't believe it's already been a month. Oh, my goodness. So since we are already a month into this whole newborn thing, figured it was about high time to share his birth story. I think these are really fun to read, to listen to, whatever you prefer. Um I did write it all out on the blog. So if you prefer to read birth stories, you can check that out at comingupbrosestheblog.com. But I wanted to kind of challenge myself too, to just kind of think it all off the top of my head, regurgitate it, see what kind of raw emotions come up. I don't know. We're just going to see what happens. So first off, thank you so much to so many of you whose prayers and good vibes and good words truly sustained us for so much of this pregnancy. If you knew what happened with our daughter, Olivia and her birth, gosh, that was, that was a whirlwind. And she was a preemie. She was born at 32 weeks. I developed severe preeclampsia. It was kind of a life or death, not kind of, it was a life or death situation for both of us. It was an emergency C-section and it was horrible. So it was beautiful in the sense of It was all part of her story and brought us to where we are today, but it was so crazy in the moment and really ended up having a huge impact on how I viewed birth, how I viewed God, how I viewed a lot moving forward. So to get to this point, first and foremost, is surreal. And I know that there were so many prayers and so many people that helped us get to that place. So if that was you, major thank you. I think for so long, my biggest prayer was to get to the 32-week mark. And honestly, I struggled making any sort of plans really before that because there was a part of me for a while that thought it would happen again, even though the statistics said otherwise, even though my doctor said otherwise, that was still just something in the back of my head. So it was really hard. And then I let myself have hope and I let myself think, well, what if it doesn't happen again? And what if our story this time around is one of redemption and healing instead of more hurt or more unexpected craziness? And then it became a bit of a challenge (laughs) because especially in the final few weeks of our pregnancy, 
at that point, I told God that if he got me this far, he better plan on taking me all the dang way. <laughs> so we kept kind of laughing to ourselves, like, watch us get this freaking close. And then he still come on his own. So let me backpedal <laughs> for a hot sec. For many, many weeks, I would go into the OB's office and they would ask me, do you know how you want to deliver? And I would always laugh at that and just kind of say, well, safely at full term, because if he's full term, I'll deliver in a hallway for all I care. And I just could not understand how so many people would come up with these really elaborate birth plans and print them out and laminate them. And I mean, hey, if that's you, you go, girl. I bless you. I pray that you have that birth according to plan to the T. But at least from our past experience, that was just completely not reality. And our first experience was so out of control and so off book and so not according to plan that this time around, I was like, dude, how, how am I supposed to make these decisions? Like it, it feels foolish for me to decide on something so specific and so decidedly when it could very well go the completely opposite direction. But at some point I did have to kind of, you know, give an answer (laughs) And I was weighing between go for a repeat C-section or have a VBAC. And my main goal was to really do whichever would feel the most different from my first birth experience, whichever had the least likelihood of becoming an emergency. Again, I was super nervous about triggering my PTSD. So I was really just praying through each option. Um, And my thought process was this. I mean, Well, first of all, I asked, I made the mistake of asking the internet, you know, which did you have? Did you, were you in similar shoes? What would you consider? And I learned pretty quickly that for, for as many different people have had similar experiences, no one has had your exact same experience. And it almost makes everyone else's advice and opinions just sound like unnecessary noise because it truly doesn't help your actual scenario, because all of our scenarios, all of our births, even from one birth to the next in the same person can be completely different. So I kind of came down to the conclusion that a VBAC would be a whole new experience with its own risks, its own complications, but ultimately it could still end in an emergency C-section. And that was exactly what I was trying to avoid. So everyone I spoke to swore that a planned, scheduled, safe C-section is entirely different than its emergency alternative. So I really just ended up feeling the most peace with that option in the end. So I went with it. We scheduled the C-section. It was scheduled for Wednesday, July 5th. And can I just say how weird it is? to know when your baby's hypothetical birthday is in advance, because we literally had this on the calendar. Like we're planning and speaking as if that was the day while still knowing, in fact, that it could completely end up not being the day. If baby changes plans, if things changed, it was such a weird place to be in. At this point, it really felt like I was kind of gaming God because I was trying to be in a posture of surrender, but be prepared for anything, but have hope and keep the faith and claim the victory. Amen. And still it was just like, okay, do I, 
do I act as if this is totally going to happen according to my plan? Do I act as if it's not going to go according to my plan and prepare for anything? Do I find some weird mixture between the two? I don't know. My type A brain was really having a hard time with this. And it was also not helping my headspace because it was kind of a game against doctors. So at my OBGYN practice, apparently this is not the same for everybody, which is, you know, kind of strange, but yay for yay you if this is not how yours works. Um, at mine, you have to rotate through all of the on-call doctors or all of the delivering doctors, I should say, throughout your entire pregnancy. And then you don't have a choice. It's truly, it's just whoever is in on the day of your birth, on the day you come in, whether it's scheduled or not, that's who delivers your baby. So while I had chosen and scheduled my C-section with who I wanted, there was a chance that a few folks who I did not want delivering my baby would in fact be delivering my baby. So this was kind of, um, you know, just like added stress for good measure. I was like, okay, on one hand, we have the option where this could go perfectly according to plan, according to my plan, or it could all hit the fan, go not according to my plan, and I'll be kind of just figuring out as we go, which here's the thing. So many other births are exactly that. It's figuring it out as you go. It's all a mystery. It all unfolds. It ends up being beautiful. It's all a part of your story. It's God's plan. God's plan trumps my plan every day of the week anyway. So I was like, you know what? At the end of the day, whichever happens, happens, and it'll be okay, and we'll figure it out, and it'll all be good. But having this option of it all going according to my plan was really enticing. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it truly felt like it was like being dangled in front of my face, like, ooh, here it is. It might all go the right way this time. Or I shouldn't say the right way. It should, it will go your way this time. Um, so it was really just balancing that headspace that felt strange. But by the time we hit evening on the 4th of July, we were feeling pretty good that we'd hit our D-Day, <laughs> our our scheduled delivery day. We spent the day relaxing at my parents' house. We were swimming with Liv. She slept over at Mimi and Papa's house. And then Jamie and I headed home to prep for our 5 a.m. wake-up call. So when you have a scheduled C-section, they're scheduled for first thing in the morning. And unless somebody comes in in active labor, trumping your scheduled C-section, that's what happens. And for us, at least, it was also scheduled for 39 weeks because the goal is for it to happen before you naturally go into labor because at least from what I was told, if you start going into labor at that point, you can still have your scheduled C-section. It just becomes, it's considered an emergency at that point um, just to reduce the risk of infection, to keep mom healthy, baby healthy, all that jazz. So I was just trying to avoid that word emergency at all costs, you know? <laughs> so around 5.30 a.m., we left for the hospital. And around 6 a.m. was when we arrived. It was a totally empty L&D ward. So weird. We walked up to the desk and we said, hi, we're here to have our baby. <laughs> we sat down with all of our bags. The nurse started answering some, asking some questions, um, just kind of like logging all of the details. I changed into my hospital gown. They prepped my IV. It was so chill and so weird. In those first few moments, it... Honestly, felt like an eternity before our 8 a.m. surgery time. But eventually, soon enough, it started filling with more and more nurses, then an anesthesiologist. 
And then all of a sudden it was 20 minutes until go time. Wow. So looking back at Olivia's birth, we had basically no pictures, no videos. It was all this really hard blur. And honestly, I mean, we were just focused on other things. We were both, both of our health was in critical condition. So capturing the moment was not at all on anybody's mind. (laughs) It was honestly just survival mode. And I think in that we kind of lost a, a little bit of the happiness along the way of the joy and miracle and beauty of bringing a new life into the world. And the drugs I was on were so strong. I honestly barely remember the experience, Um, neither her birth or the days in the hospital because it was just such a fog. So uh, this time around, I mean, I think you'll catch this drift. My sole goal was like rewrite history, rewrite the narrative, heal, let this birth be healing for what I think of birth as being so that it's not this traumatic, horrible thing but something truly just so beautiful and so connective to God and just all of that. So in trying to rewrite history now, I brought my phone tripod. I asked if we could film during my C-section. Now, just our faces. I am the world's most squeamish person. There was absolutely no way that I was trying to get anything graphic on on camera here. Um, But... I just wanted to have some sort of like footage of us experiencing it together and being totally in the moment just to look back on. The nurses at first said it was typically against hospital policy to film during procedures, which listen, I totally get it. But they said, ask the doctor. And if the doctor says, okay, cool. Well, it turns out my doctor was the coolest. He was totally down. He totally understood our situation. He was like, yeah, I don't see why not. So um, we... From there, the whirlwind began. 8 a.m. It was go time. I got to walk myself back to the OR. Already so different because first time around, I was drugged up. I was rushed in for emergency surgery. It was hectic. It was chaotic. The room was, the, the pulse in the room was very intense. This was so chill. I just walked myself back. I had a portable speaker in one hand, my iPhone in the other to play my birth playlist. Now... <laughs> I laughed at the idea of a birth playlist for years because I was like, oh goodness, doesn't that sound so sweet? (laughs) But ultimately this ended up being so beautifully relevant in this whole story. The OR was so bright. The operating table was so small as in barely the width of my own body. You would think everyone just rolls right off. Like I don't, this is a total side note, but like If you've never seen the operating table, I don't know if this is just in operating tables for C-sections or if this is like how they all are, but it is, it was truly barely the width of my own body. And they were just like, no worries. We strap you down to it. You won't fall off. I'm like, okay, cool. I hike myself up. I'm making friends with everybody. Um, They give me my spinal. I'm shaking. Apparently everyone does this. Apparently This is just kind of, I don't know if this is because of how cold the OR is or if this is something as a reaction to anesthesia or what the, what the situation is, but I'm like shaking and you're trying to be still, you're trying to be in a very specific posture for the spinal. I'm low key scared of being paralyzed because if they miss, that's not good. Uh, But the anesthesiologist was a baller. Uh, She totally nailed it. She did not miss. 
And then she helped me lie back as everything very quickly goes numb from your ribs down. And we're talking like numb, numb, super weird sensation. If you have not experienced this to be trying to tell your body to move a certain way, like you're sending the signal from your brain. You're like, okay, right foot lift up and you for the life of you cannot lift your foot up. It is like this weird disconnect in your body. Totally trippy. But I'm numb from the ribs down, which is good given what's about to happen. And in a (laughs) real, totally big royal change of mood from before, everyone's cracking knock-knock jokes. I'm like, that's a a fun thing to have happening in this situation. Um, So I'll give you one from my anesthesiologist that I remember. She said, why don't people knock on the 4th of July? Because freedom rings. (laughs) Our doctor also told us one and it was, I think it was about 50 cent and neither Jamie nor I for the life of us right now can remember it. And it is bothering me to no end because it was so good, (laughs) but there you have it. So the drape was up. The doctor comes in. He did a pinch test to make sure that all is good and numb before beginning. So basically they, they do this before they they don't tell you they're about to do this. They do this before, you know, cutting into you just to make sure that you actually, in fact, are numb, just like pinching all over. And then literally about 30 seconds before beginning surgery, they brought in Jamie into the OR. He's all gowned up. He's got uh, a hairnet on and he sets up the little phone tripod and sits down by my head and we are all ready to begin. So man, the start of a C-section is so strange. Honestly, at this point, I'm convinced that there is like no stranger feeling than being consciously cut into, like being fully awake and knowing that people are cutting your body open. It is bizarre. I, You could feel the scissors, like snip your skin. I'm so sorry if you're squeamish and this is like a lot. This might be TMI, but <laughs> like you feel the scissors snipping your skin and you hear it, which is so strange. You feel clamps stretching open your abdomen, uh, yet you don't feel any pain. So it's really, really bizarre. And like when they're closing you back up, you I could smell burning flesh. Like, whoa, actually, that might be too much to share. But hey, we're all friends here. So that's what happens. <laughs> Jamie's holding my hand. I'm focused on breathing. I'm trying so hard to tune into my music. So this is honestly why the birth playlist ended up being brilliant for me. I know I laughed at it before, but like being able to focus on something intentional that very much helped me be in my chosen headspace and allowed me to focus on something besides what was actually happening procedurally was so, so, so good. So my my birth playlist, we'll link it in the show notes in case you you too are in need of a birth playlist. It was like a solid mix of hype music and Jesus Jesus jams. So I was really just trying to like channel the Holy Spirit and also channel some badassery and just like be a baller through this process. So I was trying to not focus on what was happening on the other side of the blue drape. The anesthesiologist is at my head, keeping me calm. Um, and I'm like staring at the reflections off of the super pristinely clean OR lights until I realized that there was like a bright red reflection 
also there and I'm looking at it just going like, what is that? And then I realized that it was from the other side of the drape. <laughs> Everything that I did not want to see was literally reflecting into the light above because of how clean everything was. And I'm like, oh, bad call, bad call, bad call. Close your eyes. Focus on the music. Do not see all of that. So I was just really focused on that. I could hear a steady beep coming from a heart rate monitor. And they're just kind of snapping quick directives. They're in full-on surgery mode. Right before baby comes, they tell you in a C-section, you feel this really, really intense pressure and pushing. I don't quite know like what they're actually doing, but I'm assuming it's because they're like pushing the baby out of you. So you are like, you just feel this really intense feeling. It's so strange. And then I heard the doctor say, hey, you're not little. And uh, the nurses asked if we were ready for a video. They dropped one layer of the drape and they lifted up our little man and he let out a big healthy cry. Uh, and suddenly I was like, I felt physically empty, but emotionally so full at the same time. And Jonah James was born 8.36 a.m., seven pounds, 10 ounces. I mean, y'all, Liv was three pounds, 0.1 ounces when she was born. So the fact that a nearly eight pound baby came out of my body, I was like, wow, miracle of miracles, bless up. The most incredible part of our birth story to me, I mean, it's so personal, so spiritual, but it was just uh, such a God wink. The very next line to be sung and to come out from my birth playlist was from the song goodness of god and it's the line all my life you have been faithful oh i'm sure y'all know this song it's the one all my life you have been faithful all my life you have been so so good oh so good so of course when i made that connection afterwards wow i just cried a lot <laughs> it was beautiful I feel like I need to give you the next line too, because it's, they all go together, but it goes with every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Looking back, I am still so blown away by the God, the God incidents. I'm like, I'm calling it. It was such a God incidence of that moment. It honestly brings me to tears every single time I think about it or watch that video back because it truly felt like it felt like God's hand came down and just held our family for a split moment and that moment itself was just so healing for us and it was like such a little it was such a little hug you know like it was such a god wink like god saying like listen i brought you here i brought you all the way here through everything i'm not letting you go I'm good. I'm sovereign. I've got you. Don't forget it. <laughs> so it was just really, really special and incredible. And like, wow, out of all of the songs on this playlist, like it could have been, it could have been like David Guetta or Beyonce that was playing at that time. <laughs> but nope, it was that specific line. And the fact that I, I was, aware and tuned in that I caught that 
you know, like it felt like such a personal, it was like a moment. Like it felt like in that moment, it was just like me and Jesus in the room, like locking eyes. Like I got you. Ooh, anywho. Okay. Back to the birth story. (laughs) At this point, I'm just crying because I don't know. Can you ever give birth and not cry? Like you hear your baby cry for the first time and you're just like, wow, all the feels. The anesthesiologist was wiping away my tears. She was such a rock star. She was peeking over the drape. She was on my side with me, like at my head, making sure that I was okay. So at this point, she peeked over the drape to kind of see what progress was looking like on the other side. Um, so I said to her, I'm like, how are we looking? She says, um, well, they're putting your uterus back. I'm like, oh no, this again. So I said, is it in my body? <laughs> and she's like, no. I said, cool. Yeah, maybe I don't need to know that. But are there any other organs out of my body? <laughs> and she just bust up laughing. She's like, nope, you're good. From there, it became a bit of a blur of activity because the doctor was stitching me up. At this point, this is where you kind of, you know, get like the burning flesh sensation when they're cauterizing you and stitching you back up. And it's just kind of a, it's just a lot and weird. Um, but Jonah was brought by the baby nurse into the next room right next to the OR. Cause they had to get his vitals, his weight, um, all that jazz shout out to our nurse, Crystal, who was actually the coolest. She ink stamped his little feet onto a canvas for me, which I knew I wanted for his nursery, which, uh, even that so meaningful because I don't, I didn't even get a hand stamp and a foot stamp of Liv when she was born. Like it was such a such a rush. So side note, biggest piece of advice here. Like if you have those random things that you think you'll want for afterwards, do it. The worst they can say is no. If they say yes, it might be the most meaningful little detail for you afterwards. So just do it. Anywho, Jamie then followed Crystal into that room and he brought along our, my phone, which was still recording looking back now, we have this 20 minute video of what looks like found footage at the birth scene. It's hilarious, but he sang the Lion King song and he cracked bad jokes as all good dads do. And it's so sweet looking back on it because he got to kind of have these first few moments, um, with Jonah. And at first, honestly, here's the deal. I'm gonna be real. I was a little salty about this (laughs) because at first I was, told that we would not all be able to be together until I was totally done being stitched up until I was in recovery. That's when they would bring us all together. And I was salty because I was like, well, what the heck? I carried this little nugget for nine months. Why don't I get to see him first? (laughs) Um, And Jamie was so great. Shout out to him. He was like, babe, if you, if this really is like means a lot to you, I don't need to go back. Like it's fine. But I knew he really wanted to. And I was absolutely going to let him have that moment. So he got to go do that. And it was so special. But then I ended up getting the greatest surprise next because I heard Jamie's voice say, all right, mommy, here he comes. And they, Crystal, brought him back, brought Jonah back into the OR to be at my head and to, like, have moments with me and Jamie all together while they were still finishing up with me. So this was so cool. At this point, the song Never Walk Alone by Hope Darst was the song playing on my birth playlist, which was also so stinking special. Uh, So they put little Jonah Man at my head. 
He was just the most perfect, squishy little love bug, all wrapped up in his hospital blanket with his little hat and his still purple hands. And he was so chill. Like he cried so big and so healthy when he was first born. But at this point, he's so chill with these chunky little cheeks that I knew I would kiss a thousand bajillion times. And I'm just crying. And I'm like, hi, buddy. You're so cute. And all the nurses were saying this too. They're like, man, he is adorable. And I'm like, oh, gosh, guys, you say this to everyone. And they're like, no. Nah. <laughs> no, we don't. So I'm like, just we're soaking it all up because he's cute as can freaking be. And he's hanging out. And the nurses are like, oh, he's ready to latch because he's starting, like, sucking on his hands. Mind you. I did not, I had approximately none of my newborn experience with Liv was what would be considered quote normal end quote. So at this point, I'm like, I didn't even know what that means. <laughs> so we go back to recovery. We get about an hour there doing skin to skin. We get to nurse, just kind of hang out with our, with our little love bug. And it was just so special and so different. And then once we're all done there, we get taken back to our postpartum recovery room, which is kind of like our room that we would be staying in in the hospital. And for most of that day, you're just being actively tended to. So we just, it honestly, it was like a revolving door of nurses and consultants and pediatricians. I knew going into it, my own goal was going, was to be up and moving out of bed ASAP once my spinal wore off, obviously. Um, because I mean, Hey, for my own health, because that's healthy, but also because I didn't want Olivia to come in and me being like in this, not in, in this state that just didn't feel like me. Like I didn't want, I wanted to be mobile. I wanted to be able to be with her and experiencing it with her as much as possible and as comfortably as possible without being numb or immobile. So I was trying to push off my parents and Liv coming to meet him and to see us as much as possible. He was born at 8.36 a.m. They ended up coming around dinner time. I think it was like 6.30-ish that evening. And then we just got to hang out. We had the cutest time. Olivia meeting her little brother, Mimi and Papa meeting him. My brother came um, and it was all just super lovely and super adorable and honestly super healing. Um, unfortunately, your girl had a not so good reaction to the anesthesia. Turns out, I think I might actually have a bad reaction to anesthesia every time I'm on it. I just did not at all remember this from last time because I was reacting to every other drug that I was on. But I started off okay. Eventually, I got super hot and nauseous and was dry heaving, which is basically an absolute nightmare when you just had your abdomen cut open and sewn back together. You do not want to be dry heaving, throwing up, coughing, any of that. So that was a little rough. My family brought hoagies for dinner, which I wanted in the worst way. I don't know why, but like, y'all, mamas who have given birth, is it not the best thing to have like a good Italian hoagie right after you give birth? Like, I swear, all we want are like these good lunch meat sandwiches and subs. Anywho, couldn't have it because I felt so sick. <laughs> Here I was with my barf bag. But you know what? I would take anything at that point over the magnesium sulfate from my recovery with Olivia's birth. So I was like, here I am. I'm going to channel my inner Gloria Gaynor. I will survive. 
bless up for some of the best nurses because I don't know what it was in the water that week, but basically no one was having babies. So I think we had the entire L&D ward to ourselves. Um, special shout out to my girl, Madison, who made me a mama mocktail, rocked my world. She was, you know what, girl, you the real MVP. We made it through night one. We saw my parents and the OG again on day two. And then one of my best friends since high school brought us our favorite takeout for dinner that night. And then by the next day, we were doing well enough. They actually let us discharge early, early, like us, the family who spent 73 days in the NICU prior, feeling like we would never get to bring our baby home. And here we are getting the green light ahead of schedule with the baby. I mean, this was like, we were over the moon about this. I'm sure it seems silly and simple to most everyone else who has not experienced something similar. But man, oh man, what a gift. And another God wink, honestly. Like the God winks in this story to us were so clear and so strong and so cool and so powerful. So we walked out of that hospital, baby on board, a day early, feeling so sleep deprived and so on top of the world. Another quick little detail here, his name. So his name is Jonah, obviously. <laughs> This was, oh gosh, Jamie and I had played the the name game, tossing around names from my, basically from my list. You know, do you, do you also have like a note on your phone with like baby names? <laughs> because I was always tossing out names. Jamie would toss out names. We could not agree on anything that felt right until Jonah. And Jamie actually suggested it, credit to him, because we always joke, I'm like the one who names things in our family. People, humans, pets, everything. I'm the namer. Jamie thought of this name. And we both just kind of were like, huh, that's an interesting one because we like it. And it there's just something different about that one. And it just kind of clicked. And from there, I started looking up meanings because I think meanings of names are super cool, super important. And saw that it meant dove. And it's a symbol of peace. And it's a symbol of God's mercy and compassion. Obviously, there's a book, a super small book, but a book nonetheless in the Bible, the book of Jonah. If you've heard of Jonah and the whale, <laughs> that's in the Bible. Um, so we were not naming him Jonah because of that, but I read through the entire book of Jonah then, and it was just really cool um, how it the name itself is very symbolic of God's compassion. And I thought, wow. That is super cool because we really were believing that God would have compassion on our little family and that this experience would be different and that it would just be a different trajectory for Jonah's start on earth. And it really just all fell into place. And we just kind of knew in our hearts that this birth experience would be a healing work in our hearts. And that's exactly what it ended up being. And I ended up getting a this one line from the book of Jonah printed onto a piece of art for in his nursery. And it's Jonah chapter two, verse two. It's just a super simple line. I called upon the Lord in my distress and he answered me. And I just thought that was really relevant because man, I had called upon the Lord so many times <laughs> leading up to that faithful that he would answer me and would not leave me forsaken. And that it would all end up for good. 
And you know what? It all ended up for great. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> that is, I think that's how you do a proper birth story. That is what happened. That's Jonah's birth story. Really awesome. Super significant. And something that we will remember forever and ever. And can't wait to tell him about someday. Wait, before you go, make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. Drop five stars on your way out if you like what you just listened to. And come join the party on Instagram at thrive.podcast to stay inspired and thriving all week long. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.